you think that like Arthur Smith would know that when you draft Bijan Robinson, like you use Bijan Robinson, you don't give him seven carries in Carolina. You got to have the the coach and the GM on the same page. I think it's like bad when a coach is the GM that usually doesn't work out. But right. if your GM is going to let's face it, waste a top 10 draft pick on a running back. Like, I think that that is kind of the wrong strategy with any running back at this sure. point. Sure, use them though. Right, exactly. If the GM thinks so highly of him that he's going to blow that top 10 pick on Bijan Robinson, then the coach has to be on board with, we're building our team around Bijan Robinson. Right. And obviously there was a disconnect there. See, I do think though that you can have a successful situation where there's the same person as a GM and the coach. For instance, in my house, my wife is the GM and the coach and things seem to be going all right. <laughs> really? You consider what's happening in your house a success? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, we're, I think we're, 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 a, we're a nine and eight. We're on the bubble. We're on the bubble. <laughs> You, you, you may get in, but it's only because you play in a weak division. I think so, yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but it sounds about I'm, right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this analogy work, but uh, uh, fact is I've never really been in your household. I've never met any of your kids or your wife, so uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing along here. Well, two of my kids are insane, so let's, let's start there. <laughs> okay. And is that, the, um, is that the coach's fault or the GM's fault? I think, you know, I think, you know, you just sign these kids to a long-term contract when they're born and, you know, you're kind of stuck with them. You know, right. you're, you're, you got you're, you're, you got salary cap Ooh, considerations. So now, now, now I'm getting an idea what we need as a society to shift to short-term contracts with kids. If you, yep. if things aren't going, it's like five-year contracts. And if things aren't looking good at the end of the first five you years, renew. you can get yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. You get, they become a free agent. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> kid, kid trades would change society. The, although, oh although. Based on the fact that I pretty much hate everyone else's kids that I've ever I met, mean, I think every, everyone else's kids suck. So it's going to be tough to make too many trades based on the fact that whether you like or don't like your own kids, everyone agrees every everybody else's kids are terrible. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on the season finale of Gamble On, our last episode of 2023, we'll talk about revenue and handle records getting smashed left and right, a market research report that indicates good things about the future of online gambling, and the latest odds on the 2024 presidential election and how they indicate that absolutely nothing matters. Also, coming up on the pod, we're going to welcome ESPN's David Payne Purdom to talk about the year that was, and stay tuned for the end of the podcast for my plea for the new year. And here's a hint. It has to do with that presidential election thing Eric just mentioned. But first, as always, Eric, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Reading out a list of handle and revenue numbers can make for 
pretty boring podcasting, but I'm hoping it's at least 10% less boring if I say the words state record in front of the numbers. And we have a lot of new state records that got set in the past week. In New Jersey, a state record $1.62 billion sports betting handle in November, as well as a state record $171.6 million in online casino revenue. In Pennsylvania, a state record $934.1 million in sports betting handle, powered past $900 million for the first time by the arrival of ESPN Bet. In Michigan, state records of $175.3 million in online casino revenue and $568.8 million in sports betting handle, again helped by ESPN Bet. In Massachusetts, $654 million sports betting handle, a state record. In Illinois, they just reported October, a month behind everyone else, and they set a state record with $1.16 billion in handle. Even some of the more minor betting states, like Louisiana, reported record handle in November. And as these reports were rolling in, our colleague Chris Altruda noticed they pushed the national sports betting handle for 23 past $100 billion for the first time in any calendar year seems to me the stories here are that there is such a thing as an ESPN bet effect, and also that none of these states has hit full maturity yet. Uh, Jeff, what conclusions do you draw, and how have you chosen to celebrate the $100 billion handle milestone? I'm not observant. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I won't be celebrating. Um, okay. But I will say this. I, I think, and this is something that I think I'm going to repeat in our in our chat with uh, Mr. Purdom, but I don't think we're near maturity uh at all i think this whole sports betting thing is kind of like the stock market was like in the 90s you know there there's the pros and there's the rank amateurs and there's you know there are a few people trying out e-trade and stuff but you know 20 years from 1999 is when robin hood and no fee trading turned like almost everybody with a few nickels to rub together you know into stock market traders you know and i kind of think the same thing might be slowly happening here i think we still have a pretty long runway i mean and you look at like my you know my state new jersey you would think after 10 years of online casino, after five plus years of sports betting, things would start leveling off. Yeah. But it's just not. You know, it just continues to go up. I, and, I, you know, just by the, you know, by the nature of what this is, it can't just be going up because the same people are betting more and more because then you'd be hearing a lot more of the losers. You know, you know like I, it just seems like more and more people are dipping their toes in. That, I mean, I really believe that. Yeah, it seems that way. The the New Jersey resurgence particularly intrigues me as well, because you'll recall when New York first legalized mobile betting, New Jersey handle tailed off a bit. It kind of seemed to be plateauing. They they lost those customers who were biking across the bridge or what have you. It seemed that was one market that had pretty much seen its peak. And now here it is rising again. Um, That's definitely an interesting sub story here. the I, I am drawn to the ESPN bet effect. I'm, I'm not going to say that they're shifting the paradigm. It's, it's nothing that dramatic. But this is the first time a new sports book has made this kind of impact and caused a little bump like this at any time post 2018. I think you know, Fanatic Sportsbooks debut wasn't felt on this level. Barstool caused a momentary ripple but not on this level. Um, Obviously, I'm not counting DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM. They were all part of the debut of legal sports betting in 2018. Uh, Caesars, they got rebranded from William Hill, but I don't remember that having any big immediate impact. So ESPN bet, look, it may or may not ever get above even 10% market share, but it's making its presence felt more clearly in its debut month than any other sportsbook launch or relaunch has. It has. It is. I mean, you know, they're, they're giving away, you know, the 250 and free bets. Right. Um, for anybody, you know, even, you know, previous Barstool customers, which doesn't hurt. 
Uh, doesn't hurt, obviously, that they are doing this in the heart of football season, right? Right. Um, you know, talk talk to me in a year when it yeah. comes to the, the ESPN bet effect. I mean, there is an effect. I think it, we're seeing it play out. We'll see. I, you know, I'm not. I, 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 I'm not ready to draw any conclusions yet. Talk yeah. to me in a year. Yeah, know, as, real. I, as I said last week, the even I think it was last week that even talk to me after we see the December numbers after they've had a full month and it's not all just like people making their making their bonus bets that they, that they're getting off the top. I'd be curious to see their numbers even just for December. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This we can't judge them on on anything yet. They could far exceed expectations and be up above 10% in a year, or they could be just another struggling sports book in a year. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying that, yeah, they're the, they've made a splash in, yeah. in their arrival that nobody else has done. That, uh, that's fair. Fair yeah. point. So, yep. so you didn't, you didn't get the invite to Altruda's a uh, hundred billion dollar party, huh? He's, throw, he's throwing a big blast in celebration. I guess uh, huh, I feel, I feel bad. Uh, I, I got the invite. I don't know. No, I didn't actually get an invite. Maybe, I mean, was it on Slack or? Uh, no, it was a it was a physical uh, mailing. looked looked like a bar mitzvah invitation. Uh, huh. you know, all fancy, yeah. And they are getting fancy those bar mitzvah invitations. <laughs> they are, they are, holy, they, holy! They are. Although, although there's also it's now an even split between uh, the the fancy bar mitzvah invitations and the people who just send you an evite even to the to the bar about mitzvah at this point. All right. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. All right, all right. I'll keep my eyes open for the. Okay. the yeah, the it way. could just be caught up in the mail. It could be arriving sure, any sure, day now. Sure. Um, but but the uh, weirdly that unintended little sidetrack there into the idea of in a, a paper invitation versus in an email sent invitation kind of leads into our next story. Uh, I'm, I'm reaching a bit, but here we go. Uh, payment processing company PaySafe released a global market report last week and concluded that inflation and the cost of living are not impacting online gambling spending. Uh, I'll spare our listeners another barrage of numbers and instead just share the bottom line that, according to the research, at-home entertainment, such as online sports betting and online casino, has, quote, been impacted less by the changing economic climate, end quote, than other spending categories. Basically, if people are pulling back on their discretionary spending, it's not showing up in sports betting or online casino. It's showing up more in terms of eating out, taking trips, and unfortunately, donating to charity. I honestly don't know how much there is to discuss here. You know, it's a, it's a holiday week. There isn't much news happening. This probably wouldn't make the cut most weeks. But if you have any analysis, Jeff, I'd love to hear it. Or, um, or if you just want to talk about how your personal spending habits have or haven't changed in the current economic climate, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. It, it kind of does make sense. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to throw down a handful of $5 parlays than it is to, like, you know, head out to the Cheesecake Factory, you know. Yeah. By the way, I'm not a, not, not a fan of chain restaurants. But, you know, a Cheesecake stands out, really, for its fake fanciness. I, it, it, you may... <laughs> I, every time I've ever eaten there, I made it feel like I don't belong there. Like it's too fancy. It's a freaking chain restaurant in a mall. Right. Menus, right. menus, menus too big. Also, I mean that's just it's ridiculous. How can anything be good when they have ten thousand things to choose from? It's ridiculous. <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Done right. Done right. Your entertainment yes. dollar really can go a lot further gambling than doing most other things. You know, yeah. if you're doing it right. You know, if you're just playing. You know, and I, I for a lot of people doing it right is throwing down a couple of five dollar bets. You know. But that's hours of entertainment, theoretically, you know? Yeah. It's interesting relative relative cost-wise what what 
online gambling has become because, you know, and we can we'll be talking politics soon. And so we can kind of leave the political angle out of uh, is the economy bad or not so bad and whose fault is it and all that. But certainly everything is expensive right now. Um, it wasn't so long ago you could get a cheap takeout meal for five bucks and, and a mid-tier takeout meal for like 10 to 15. Now, unless you're buying a gas station hot dog and drinking tap water, I'm not sure a sub $10 meal exists. Uh, when we do takeout for a family of four, cheap now means I'm spending 50 bucks and often I'm spending closer to 100 and and not just because I'm like ordering the lobster or anything. Um, it's just everything's expensive, all, all of which is maybe a roundabout way of saying betting twi- 25 bucks on a game feels like nothing if you step back and view it as money. As lo- right. if, if you view it as a percentage of a betting bankroll, that's a different story. If I've got $100 on a site, then $25 feels like a lot. But when I really think about what $25 is, even if I, you know, I, I'm never the type to bet $100 on a game if it's not some kind of bonus bet or whatever. But if I really sit back and think about it, yeah, I can afford to lose 100 bucks on a, on a game. I'm, I'm about to spend it on dinner, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's... So, yeah, I mean, again, done right, sports bet. You know, seriously, for five, a $5, like, four-leg parlay can keep you entertained for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it will end up making you money. You exactly. Right, you have that chance, right. which you you don't have a chance of coming out richer after uh, ordering at the Cheesecake Factory, I don't believe. Um, no. but or the but, Cheesecake Factory. What did I say? Cheesecake Factory, which sounds delightful. Is obviously. that what I said? Yeah. Huh. I think. Well, I, at least that's what I heard. If now I, I'm hungry for a cheesesteak. If, right. if I did say it, it could be my subconscious as a pescatarian, uh, you know, trying to tell me to go back to the meat or something. I don't know. Either way, the cheese factor is a problem in in either scenario Um, scenario for me. Um, But um, I I do just want to say bottom line as it relates to this market report, if it's a way of spending money without leaving your house, it's probably trending in the right direction. And if it requires leaving home to spend the money, then it's something that could be on shaky ground. Um, I hadn't been inside our local mall post-COVID until a couple of months ago, um, I had to take my daughter there to get her eyebrows threaded. Apparently, that's mm-hmm. a thing women do. Thing. Um, yep. So I was at the mall in person for the first time since I think 2019, and it was it was sad. It was yeah, almost. Yeah, your mall sucks. I know Oxford Valley. Oxford Valley, yeah. Yeah, um, Oxford Valley is falling off the face. Quaker Bridge is on the up. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, okay. It's do- all right. See, I was thinking this was like all malls in yeah, an online right. ordering because Oxford Valley was like almost post-apocalyptic, like the the, the yeah. mall on The Last of Us. I almost felt like I was walking <laughs> around. There are like so many vacant spots where a store used to be, hardly any people walking around. The people who are there, not exactly the social elite, um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that this isn't necessarily every mall everywhere. But uh, either way, our industry seems in, in, in a good place because it's all online. Right. So OK, now on to our third topic. As we were reminded a couple of weeks ago when Patrick Everson joined us, the topic of presidential election betting is a real conversation stimulator. So uh, let's do a bit of that without Patrick. Big news, at least theoretically, in the political world on Tuesday night. The Colorado State Supreme Court ruled that because he engaged in an insurrection, according to the 14th Amendment, Donald Trump is not eligible to return to office and his name won't appear on the Republican primary ballot in Colorado. At least that's the status for now, though this is being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, so there's a chance this gets overturned and Trump is on the ballot in every state, 
or there's a chance it doesn't, and other states follow Colorado's lead. The latter outcome would seem very consequential for an election, but the betting odds that predict it, at least for now, say this is yet another story that makes no difference for Trump. His odds of winning the presidency weren't impacted by any of his four criminal indictments, and they aren't being impacted by this, other than Nikki Haley gaining a tiny bit of ground on him for the Republican nomination. Jeff, do you think the odds movement, or lack thereof, is in step with reality? Uh, It's often said that the betting odds tell you better than the polls what's going to happen. What do you think? Are you surprised none of this stuff appears damaging to Trump? And do any of the polls or odds really mean anything 11 months from the election with this many variables on both sides? Well, uh, since you asked, uh, all right, listen, predicted is it, this is very interesting to me. So predicted has Trump at 41 cents, Biden at 39 cents, close enough to a toss up. Right. Um, DraftKings up in Canada, where you can bet this a little different. They got Trump at plus 125, Biden at plus 200, put in predicted terms, 44 and a half cents to 33 cents. Right. Hmm. So uh, in the, in the DraftKings Canadian market, People watching this, Trump is, you know, a little bit of a heavy favorite. But what's most interesting to me about this and like, you know, this this it's nutty to me in both these cases, there's like, you know, a 20 to 23 percent chance. These markets tell us that it's going to be a third option. Right. That is not there yet. You know, whether it be RFK, whether it be Gavin Newsom, whether it be Nikki Haley. right? Right. But. In my mind, it seems impossible that it's not going to be either Trump or Biden, right? I mean, Uh this is is this the ARB opportunity of a lifetime right now? To just bet on both of them in in Canada. Or here, you could take buy both unpredicted, spend the 80 cents, you're cashing out at a buck. You know? Yeah, that's an interesting question. But but that flies in the face of uh, your joke about how one could be dead and the other could be in jail. And we (laughs) <laughs> I, I know. I, I understand that. But I mean, I think so. You know, you, you, what you mentioned is that, you know, how, you know, it's thought that, you know, the odds market is going to tell us more than polls. If that's true, it's telling us there's like a 20 to 23 percent chance that one of these guys is not on the ballot. Right. Which right. means there's a 20 to 23 percent chance, according to the betting markets, that shit is going to get even more fucked up than we think it is going to be right, right now. Right. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, th- I mean, that's a that's a listen. That's a huge fucking number, 20 to 23% that it's not one of these two. Yeah. That's that, a huge number. You're right. At, at, for like the, you know, the, I guess an election where an, in, an, in a normal year where there typically we don't have a clear front runner from the non-incumbent side right. to this extent this early. So it, it's, so I guess it's not a huge number in the big picture in the typical sense, like, this is not typical. Um, right. But the, right. This is not the, the way that Trump has the has the Republican nominee se- nomination seemingly sewn up, barring something that keeps him out of the race. That, that is, is. Yeah, that that is the there are so many weird factors here. I do have to ask just about your your line that one dead, one in jail. and We don't know which is which. Right. May, maybe I'm just stuck in my liberal bubble, but. What what exactly could Biden possibly be in jail for, or or is well, it just to make the joke work, or it's, it's just to make the joke work? Okay, you know? all right. But, all I right. mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know, who knows what the, you know what what, what they're going to uncover, and you know, and so you know, I mean, you know, uh, let let let's all hope we don't have a a, a, a son like Hunter. You know, I mean, who who needs <laughs> okay. aggravation? You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. Okay, that that's fair, but I don't know that it lands Joe Biden in. in it probably in jail. doesn't land right, him in yeah. jail. But but, yeah. but listen, there on the Republican side. 
what keeps Trump away from the nomination? Like, I don't think anything, including jail, keeps him away from the nomination. Uh, I don't see. And he's not going to jail. And he's not going to jail. Right. Well, that that I tend to agree with. So, all right. So on the on the Biden side, there's on both sides, there's there's dying. Right. Uh, Right. But there's also I don't think this is likely, but I think dropping out because his approval rating is so low that his party convinces him to step aside. That is not impossible. Getting late. Getting late. Yeah. It's still 11 months away. I mean, normally, like, you know, in in a primary season, it's not late. It's we're six months from when when a non-incumbent party would be figuring out who its nominee is going to be. But, yeah, Trump, you have jail. You have not permitted to appear on the ballot and and uh, and I, I guess somewhere way, way down at like a zero point zero zero one percent chance you have his party rallying and coming together and unifying against him and deciding to get back to something resembling believing in democracy. That that's the longest shot, I think, of the of the options to to for for why Trump doesn't show up on the ballot. But I do. I mean, if he is actually in jail, which I agree with you, he won't be just based on the timing of it more than anything. I think they take him off the bat. I think the Republicans run someone else, right? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how the nitty gritty that works. But all I know is that unless – I mean, I don't know. I, I'm still going back to this ARB opportunity. I, I, mean, I think it's an awesome <laughs> bet. I really do. I think it's yeah. an awesome I mean, you're betting. You're betting that one of them is going to win, right? Right. And, and so, so even, even if one of them drops off the ballot, right. there's the yep. other one still sticking around. Right. You know, what are the odds of both of them dropping off the ballot? I don't, I don't know. It seems. It, Ooh, now, it, it and seems... so now that now there's a fun parlay bet as well. If they offer neither Trump nor Biden appears on the ballot, I wonder what kind of odds you could get on that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'd be juicy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? um, I the, with regard to the this week's news of the uh, the Colorado thing, um, you know, if 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 Trump is the Republican Party's planned nominee and somehow he is not available on the ballot, if people don't have the option to vote for him, it's going to get real ugly in America. Um, now, that, that isn't the court's concern. They should rule based on the facts and the law and, and, and not based on fear of the consequences. But you want to see this country splintered more than it already is and, and something resembling a civil war and, and just like insurrection coming to your hometown that one really scares me um i as someone who i'll just say very openly in case anyone hasn't figured it out as someone who very much wants to see anyone other than trump win the 2024 election i'd feel a lot better about the jail path for for society (laughs) you know uh now, signs point toward him manipulating the system to get all the court cases stalled until after the election, at which point, if he wins, he pardons himself and it all goes away. And and by the way, we never have another election for as long as he's alive. But if one of the criminal charges could go to trial in time and he gets convicted, that's a path to getting him off the ballot that there still will be an uprising. But I think it's much less scary than the one we see if people simply are not allowed to vote for him. And a Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> Jesus. You got me worried now. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows Nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is I think there's a pretty good opportunity to make some money if you want to arm. I don't think – but what I'm saying is I don't think that there's a 20 to 23 percent chance – that neither one of them are going to win. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. The maybe, I, I, there's a 5% chance, maybe, maybe right. at the most. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. And the so my and my view on election betting in in recent years has has been that 
I couldn't possibly bring myself personally to bet it. I mean, I'm speaking as someone who tends not to bet on Eagles games because I'm already emotionally invested. So, uh, you know, even if I suddenly could log on to FanDuel and place a bet on this election, I I, I wouldn't want to do it, even if something was screaming value. I'm just not looking for any additional investment in this outcome. But the arbs, the arb situation is an interesting one, I guess. That it's a way to sort of um, not change. If if I get to a point where I'm winning the same amount, whether it's Biden or Trump, then I then I've taken the emotion. But then I'm still risking then the uh, the the uh, the financial investment if it's only one of the two of them on the ballot. So I don't know. I I'm staying the hell away from all this and I have absolutely no idea what the hell's going to happen next November. I still can't believe that we're living it. If, if you had said to anybody at any time, like in the last, you know, 60 years, we're going to throw a Kennedy uh, in the Democrats, you know, for for a second or two, uh, and then we're going to say no, we don't want you. I mean, how is that even how is that even possible? This this RFK, if he didn't go wacky, he he would have won this thing in a landslide. Uh, yeah, he he could have had a shot on the Kennedy name, but the Kennedy name has been sort of strangely co-opted because the uh, the Republican Party believes both John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy Jr. are still alive and are showing up in De- uh, Dealey Plaza any minute now. So, uh, you know, there's the, 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 the whole Kennedy thing has uh, has gone off the rails. Uh, I think the whole thing has gone off the rails. Yes. Let's just I think that's that's a good this podcast has gone off the rails. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. For our final podcast episode of the year, we figured we'd use the interview segment to reflect on some of the biggest stories of the year that was, and so to lend his recollections and insights, we now welcome as fine a journalist as you'll find in the sports betting space. For me, Thank SPN, you very much. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> a tie, a tie for finest <laughs> journalist in the sports betting space from ESPN. Like any experienced sports better, Payne is his middle name. Our friend, David Payne Purdom. David, welcome back to Gamble On. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, so here's where I want to start. It's a it's a trend story, not a singular news event story. But one thing that really stood out to me in 2023 was sportsbook win rates continuing to go up. Our colleague Chris Altruda has a tremendous database of all this on Sports Handle. And in 2018, 19, and 20, the win rate was right around 7% each year. In 2021, it hit 7.52%. In 2022, 8.06%. And for 2023 so far, it's 9.34%. It really exploded this year. To me, this is a huge story and a worrying one. Am I making too much of it? Or or do you also consider it a huge deal, David? And is it crazy to ask sports books to try not to win quite so much? I would say it's uh, crazy to ask any business to try to make less money, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. It's 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 odd, and I want to give the sports leagues credit. All their officials, when I was talking to them back when we were getting ready to do legalization, uh, they kept on telling me, "Oh no, we're going to have higher win rates in these other states than Las Vegas," because the Nevada average win rate for decades right around five percent, maybe a six, maybe get up there, right? But I was like, "Okay, so you're not going to just make people be worse betters. They're 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 going to win around the same rate. You're no way unless." you can get them to bet more parlays. And that's what happened, has happened, right? Especially these same gun parlays where we don't even know uh, what the real margins are, right? They don't really release each leg's price. I remember when Hard Rock had that big same game parlay 
what was it, Texans Bengals? It was like a six billion six million dollar win. It was one of the largest I ever seen. And I tried to get them to tell me what were the the price on each of the legs so I could try to see what the correlation they put into it. And and they were like, ah, we don't really usually reveal that. Mm. And so I think that tells you quite a bit right there that it's probably pretty high and that's inflated. Is it worrisome? Some people think it is. Um, I talked to some people offshore about this topic and, you know, they're like, we think the public money is going to run out eventually. Uh, If you keep running in that churn rate, is going to be too great and you're going to run out of public money for this. I'm not so sure I'm to that point yet. Um, is it two to three percent more money? Is that really gonna bankrupt the whole public? I, I, I don't know. So I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical that um we're going it's going to crash and burn, but it, it is something notable, as you mentioned, that it has increased so much. Yeah, when we had um, Adam Levitan from Establish the Run on a few months back, I kind of asked him whether whether he thought the parlay trend was a problem. And he raised the point that he actually it doesn't worry him at all because it's mostly people betting tiny little amounts to try yeah. to win a lot. And and so so that's sort of where you're landing that obviously there are the occasional huge parlays where people will risk a big chunk of their bankroll, but that that's mostly a very slow bleed of the recreational better that, that you're not too concerned about. It sounds like. I, I, I would agree with that. And I've always uh, at the beginning, I thought that, okay, people betting $5 to try to win a lot. Uh, maybe that's the best use of their money instead of, guys that are trying to grind this out and they are betting too much of their bankroll at once. I mean, as Jeff, Jeff knows, uh, Jeff, what, what, what's your bankroll percentage? Two to 5% per bet. Right. So yeah. $100,000, right. Something like that. Yeah. Something right. like that. But if you bet that little bit of amount on there, I, I think your bankroll lasts longer. Um, and so the one thing I do worry about the parlays though, are the people that hit nine of 10 legs and are on the verge of winning $20,000 off their $10 bet and they can't handle it. They mm-hmm. lose control and they just go off on these crazy tangents and maybe that's that starts them down a downward spiral. So that does concern me a little bit. Yeah. You know, I just going to jump in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a story, so I guess I'll lay claim to it. So Perman doesn't jump me on it here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I forget the guy's name, that hedge fund manager who like was good to short all like the DraftKings stock. And now he's, now he's like saying that, you know what, because of this win rate, you know, these stocks are going to be fine. And I, I start don't on me. I think that I, I wonder if we are, you know, we're so, the three of us and everyone in the industry, we're so, in, you know, neck deep in it. But I, I think there might be like a second boom coming in sports betting, much in the same way that like you see it in the stock market, right? You go back 20 years, nobody was investing in the stock market unless you were an investor. You know, then E-Trade comes along and that, you know, and, that, and you know, fast forward to Robinhood. And who's not playing around in the stock market? You know what I mean? I wonder mm-hmm. if sports betting is like, that hasn't happened yet necessarily where like every Tom, Dick and Harry and their wives are like, ah, you know what? Five bucks here, 10 bucks here. What's the big deal? You know, which I think in the end would also continue to increase the win rate for sports books. But at, as, as you've been both been saying at little cost to the quote investor. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we were going to talk about the Taylor Swift impact uh, a little bit and how much that has grown. Um, the Travis Kelsey prop bets and all the things that the sports books yeah. did. Uh, I've asked them over and over for data on who who are these people that were suddenly betting Travis Kelsey. 
props. I haven't got any yet, but I think that kind of feeds into your your, your, your hypothesis there, right? Right. That well, we are getting. So, so let's ask you this. I mean, so are you a Swifty? Let's start there. I like that um, mean song. Um, I have okay. that on my soccer team's playlist. I coach a, a U11 girls soccer team. So we have that on there. And we always talk about not being mean. Okay. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm not a big uh, supporter. I'm more of a classic rock type guy. Okay, I guess. sure. No, I feel you. I feel it. But I, I, this under 11 girls soccer team, I would imagine you're surrounded by Swifties. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, what do you think? I mean, what do you th- what what do you make of this? I mean, do you think that like, you know, is this was the Taylor Swift effect? And you know, we we wrote about it. I mean, you know, the, all the books were reporting much higher, you know, you know, handle on Kelsey bets and Chiefs bets and and stuff. Do you think that it's a once in a lifetime thing, or do you think it's like a canary in the coal mine thing? Like, I guess going back to what I was talking about before. Well, I think it's uh, dwindled off, right? It's it's cooled off. It's not as uh, dramatic as it was uh, to begin with. Um, so, will it not ring? just the Swift, not just not just the Swift thing? Right. I'm trying to interrupt, but like, the idea of people who outside of the, our world saying, "Ah, eh, let me dip my toes in this world." Yeah, I mean, I, I think those kind of storylines, those kind of narratives. Anytime you talk to a sports book about a game that's gotten. Uh, gets a lot more handled than they thought about. There's some sort of alternative motive or, or narrative, I should say. Um, I guess Deion Sanders would be a good example, too. Uh, at the beginning of the year, those games were ridiculously heavily bet. In fact, um, you know, DraftKings, I think uh, Colorado, Oregon was the second most heavily bet game only behind uh, Ohio State, Michigan. And <laughs> Oregon, Colorado, come on. I mean, nobody would thought that would be like that. So anytime you get that additional narrative that kind of transcends into the general public it will come about is it going to be a long-term thing no i think it'll come and go uh, as each little storyline pops up so somebody who wasn't that interested in it and they come in do they stick around i guess that's that's really you know that that's the long-term question i don't know uh, kind of 50 50 right, right. Uh, I, I would assume some do some don't uh, right. some good in there and they lose quickly and they're like hey, done with this right. uh, like, oh this was fun i hit my first parlay and i'm gonna stick around so sure. uh, i would say it's based on their success yeah yeah if, if you if you get the travis kelsey first touchdown score in that one time that the that you as a swifty decide to place a bet on him maybe that uh <laughs> keeps you around a while but i guess the the other sort of crossover thing in in that realm would be the the non-sports sports betting the you know uh oscars emmys that sort of stuff that's available in a few states and what we were talking about on a recent podcast uh with an, with another guest the political betting like that mm-hmm. seems like those those could reach a huge audience that otherwise may not be willing to dip its toes in sports betting oh yeah i mean the, the vegas bookmakers have long said that if we are ever allowed to take bets on the presidential election it would be by far the the largest betting market way greater larger than than, than the super bowl so if yeah. political betting ever comes into it and i don't know if it ever will um but it, it will be massive yeah um so getting back to some of the big stories of, of this year we haven't heard about an nfl player getting caught violating the league's gambling gambling policy yet this season during the fall here but back in the spring that was the biggest running story in the industry I'm curious for your perspective on, first off, back then, several months ago, trying to cover all that news as violations were unearthed one after another. And do you take these quiet last few months as a sign that the crackdown worked and NFL players know the rules and the consequences now and we won't see very many more gambling suspensions in the league? Yeah, that spring was was crazy. I mean, that late uh, April, early May 
Um, we had uh, all the NFL suspensions. And right on top of that, we had all the ones in Iowa, the collegiate kids. Right. And right on top of that, we had the Alabama baseball coach get fired for his link to a, a sports betting scandal. Um, it just kept, kept on coming and coming. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then again, June, we had another wave. And that was the latest wave. You're right. We haven't seen any this season. And if you notice, we didn't see any really last season. They waited to the off season to announce sure. these. So I, I don't know if that's kind of the plan now. I do know that these investigations take a while. Um, it, it, they, they go through lots of steps and they want to make sure and give uh, anyone that's suspected of violating the policy their due, due process. So they, they, they work on a part. Um, the NFL did adjust their penalties for it. Um, they upped, if you bet on the NFL, um, it's now two years, right? An average NFL career, I looked this up before it came on, was, was like 3.5 years, right? You lose two years of that, you're a, you know, an average player like most of these guys that have been caught up in this. We hadn't heard about any aside from Calvin Ridley. Um, there wasn't really a huge, huge name. Um, so I, I do think that that deterrent uh, has caught everybody's attention and probably the league's efforts uh, to their credit, to their efforts to make sure that everybody understands more and more and more. Um, I think you and I, we've all talked about how uh, it's hard to have much sympathy for guys that are betting on games involving their own team. Um, I, you know that's wrong. You should not be doing that, right? Anybody that doesn't know that, uh, that's, that seems a little disingenuous to me. Um, the guys that were betting on NBA basketball game and they were in the locker room or out in the parking lot, I can understand that. So um, I guess my answer is yes, we will see some more. I do expect them to be fewer and fewer. Okay. You know, one thing, you know, we were talking about what what, what did happen. Let's talk about what didn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this is on the legislative front. 20% uh, of the nation resides in California and Texas, and they are sports betting deserts. And, it, it did, I mean, nothing nothing good happened in either state this year, although maybe the, the, the Mark Cuban news a little bit. Uh, might move Texas, but what do you think? I mean, what are, what are you hearing? Do you think there's any hope for these two states to uh, come online with us sports betting folk? Yeah, you took my my point. I, I do think the Cuban Sands deal is meaningful. I think that had some, at least some part of that was designed to give Sands a more local footprint, a more clout uh, locally. And so, with them owning the Ma uh, with the Mavericks, then uh, I do think that Texas will. Uh, likely you know certainly introduce legislation in 2025 they're on that two-year circle or they don't have one this this year but 2025 i do believe it's coming and i think the momentum is there for texas to get this done california i just i, I don't even know what to think there until i want to say until the tribal gaming community decides how they want it done and what they want it done and they put it forward and they put their money behind everything behind it and everything is by their rules, then maybe we have a chance. But they had their own bill last year, too, right? They did have a bill. Uh, it was only retail in person, but they did have a bill, and it didn't even come close. So maybe voters in California just aren't ready. Uh, eventually, so much money, right? So much money. It's got to it's come on board, but I don't know when. Yeah, it seems crazy because just generally speaking, like in, you know, American culture, California always seems to be like first yeah. out of the gate with so much, you know, and and here they are certainly lagging behind. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I was talking speaking to our, our, our colleague, Jill Dorson, I think there's 109 or 114, some some crazy number of tribes 
and they all, you know, trying to get them all on the same page is, you know, the, the, you know, difficult enough. And then to get the voters or to get the legislature and then, you know, it sounds like a heavy lift, which is a shame because, yeah, as you say, there is just a boatload of money in them Dar Hills. Yeah, I don't think that the, that latest initiative by the guys that just kind of came out, the poker bros, the guys were calling them and just came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I don't see that getting very far, but uh, it's surprising that they would even bring it if they thought there was no chance. So, right. yeah, it seems like the the tribal reaction to that has been pretty clear that uh, this ain't the one. So on um, just a related front of, of one other big state that we haven't talked about yet with with Florida. Do you think there's any hope that that in the next few years becomes not a monopoly or do you feel like uh, this is this is the way it's looking for uh, for the foreseeable future? There's hard rock bet and there's nothing else. It's a good question. Um, DraftKings and FanDuel have presence through the daily fantasy there. Um, Will they be able to expand again? I think you have to agree to the wishes of the tribal community and the compacts that they have on board and uh, show respect and uh, make sure that you work with them. Um, will they be able to do that? I think eventually, yeah. I, I think we will see some other operators in there. When that will happen, I, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and then, of course, there's your state. Uh, you're, you, you live in Georgia. With fing Fingers crossed for you guys. Every year we get kind of excited that this is the year for Georgia. I don't know if you have a leaning on that one before we uh, before we let you go. I think we're getting done this year. I, okay. I really do think we get done this year. I've kept in contact with some people that are pretty influential on this, and, and they're confident. Uh, they're more confident than they were the last couple of years, and they were pretty confident then. Um, so I do think that uh, Georgia gets it done this year. All right. Nice positive note to end on. Well, uh, David, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast once again. Always great talking to you. Uh, I'll let all the listeners know uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, you can find him at David Purdom and of course, read him on ESPN.com sports betting page. Thanks again, David, and uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks shortly, but first let's update our betting bankroll. And um, I had a winning week, uh, but mm. but there's no I in team. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm, let's not dwell mm -hmm. on that. Uh, honestly, I, I only came out in the black this week because of boxing. How are we both so bad at betting on the NFL? I don't understand. It's, it's uh, been a horrible year. It really has. Uh, quickly, your bets, Jeff. Easton Stick touchdown, nope, lost $25. Oh, oh Justin yeah. Fields touchdown, nope, lost $50. Fields mm -hmm. over on rushing yards, lost $58. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Jets failed in your three-team teaser. The other two covered. Yeah. It, it's not that it was stupid, but the amount. Uh, you lost $100. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, I'd right. criticize the bet, that it should have been a $50 bet. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Jets... It's a fake bankroll. doesn't matter. We can make it a million dollars. Come on now. Right, Come ahead. on. Yeah, that ruins the thought experiment. I'm angry. All. all right. I yeah, understand. I uh, not as angry as uh, as uh, I should be at you for betting on a Jets Pats money line parlay. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Cost us well, 50 I was trying bucks. to make a lot of money back in one. I know. I, well, isn't that what Captain Jack specifically said not to do? Exactly that. Yes. All right. Uh, on to my bets. I had Bears plus three and. Uh, I still don't know how Mooney didn't catch that Hail Mary, but uh, we pushed there and, and get our money back. Uh, I took 
the Thunder on the money line against the Kings, lost 60 bucks, but then I got our lone win of the week on boxing, minus 215 favorite Bam Rodriguez knocked out Sonny Edwards, so we won $100. But we lost another $243 this week. We're now down by 5083 We also have 2926 on holding futures uh, bets. Futures, yes, yes. We have, how much do <laughs> we have to bet left? Uh, uh, 1000 991. That's right. It is a year. A pretty good year. Maybe that's yeah. a sign that things are going to turn around. We're the, the, the 90s, right up our alley. When that's we it. were, if we had a prime, that was it. Bum, ba, da, 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 da. <laughs> 91, a little before Friends. All right. Well, yeah, it's true. A little before Can you give me, a, give me a... Yep. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the more fitting. <laughs> wow. Speaking of... Yeah, yeah, Do you ever ahead. wonder why I can't win a football bet? <laughs> I, w- I want to see where this uh, where this stand-up routine is headed. That was it. What's so. the deal with the Falcons? What's the deal with me not being able to win a bet? <laughs> All right. Anyway, shall I get to my first bet? Let's just quickly get through this, please. Okay. All right. Um. If the 49ers stay reasonably healthy, I just don't see anybody beating them in the playoffs. Uh, that's that's where I'm uh, the angle I'm coming in at for my first bet here. It, it's crazy that they lost three games in a row in the middle of the season. Uh, they, they, they were missing some key players in some of those games. But if they stay healthy, the talent gap between them and every other team actually may be enough to overcome variance and prevent them from losing any single game, I think. But, you know, with the risk of injury, we saw it last year early in the uh, NFC title game when Purdy got hurt. I don't see any point in betting them at plus 225 to win the Super Bowl. If you got them earlier in the season, about plus 700 or something, good for you. But, you know, I, I don't see any value in betting them now. Instead, I think the move is to risk a little to win a lot on an exact Super Bowl matchup. Chris Berman, I hope you're listening. This is the Super Bowl matchup you've been calling for for the last 35 years or so. This is the year. It's going to be 49ers and Bills. The AFC is wide open. Every contender is flawed. The Bills have momentum. You know, last year, everybody believed in them. This year, they swooned so bad that everybody wrote them off. And maybe that's the best thing for them. At both FanDuel and DraftKings, there's the same price, and it's better than I found anywhere else. Exact result of 49ers to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl is plus 2200. So let's bet 25 to win 550. And, and of course, if those two teams do make it, then we can assess whether we feel like the Bills have a chance and we can consider a little hedge. But for now, it's uh, 25 to win 550, 49ers over Bills. All right. I, I actually really do like that. It's a nice bet. Um, I'm going to go with some stuff tonight here. Okay. This will be like one little thing. Cooper Cup, give me an anytime touchdown at bet 365. He's plus 140. Okay. I think he's scoring the last three games. This Rams team is definitely coming into form. Um, so give me a cup anytime touchdown, 50 bucks at plus 140. Okay. I want to do the same for Rahid Shahid at plus 375 um, for 25 bucks to get in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Rams play zone at a monstrous rate. Shahid is a zone killer. Uh, he benefits from having Chris Olave back in the lineup. So give me a Shahid touchdown. And then for 20 bucks at plus 822, let's merge them together and parlay Okay. It. Parlay plus 822, 20 bucks. All right. Uh, I have not thought enough about this game to uh, have any opinion on whether that's, uh, those are good bets or bad bets, but I approve of the bet amounts in any case. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh-oh. It's a start. We got to start somewhere. It's moral victory. Yes. Um, all right. There is a massive boxing card this Saturday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. The sports washing there continues. Uh, boxing being just the right soulless sport for the Saudi regime to inject <laughs> its blood money into. Um, eight significant fights on this card. It's uh, headlined by two separate bouts featuring major heavyweight stars, Deontay Wilder against Joseph Parker and Anthony Joshua against Otto Valine. And it's been reported that Wilder and Joshua have agreed to terms for a massive showdown in March, again in Saudi Arabia, if they both win on Saturday. I see three reasonably priced live dogs on this card. Several of the fights are gross mismatches. I will get to those with my next bet. But here I'm focusing on three fights where the underdog has a real chance. One is one of the two co-main events. Uh, Valine, he's a Legit good heavyweight fighter. We had a nice win on him when he was mispriced as an underdog in his previous fight. And Anthony Joshua is exceptionally big and strong and talented, but has serious confidence and identity issues. Valine is absolutely capable of beating him. He's priced as high as plus 320 at FanDuel. I'm nervous about him getting screwed one way or another because everyone wants to see Joshua versus Wilder next. But at plus 320, I think there's still a tiny bit of value there. So $30 to win 96 on Valine, and then Jarrell Big Baby Miller. Uh, there are actually multiple big babies in heavyweight boxing, believe it or not, mm. Jeff. This isn't the one we've bet on before. Different big baby here. Uh, he's plus 240 against Daniel Dubois. I think he's a little more live than that, so we'll go with another 30 bucks to win 72. And deeper on the undercard, a battle of unbeatens, 18-0 Arslanbek Mahmudov versus 23-0 Adit Kabayel. I'm not surprised Caballel is the underdog. I am surprised we can get him as high as plus 650 at DraftKings. He has a better shot than that, I think. So $20 to win 130 there. Three underdog bets. If one of the three wins, we win. Great. You haven't lost a boxing bet yet since you, you took the Captain Jack strategy. Huh? Uh, that is true. I'm I'm expecting that streak to end here because the sure, chance sure, of winning sure. all three underdogs. But if one money. of the three wins, it counts as a win. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Niners clearly are the cream of the NFC, right? We that's uh, the cream of the NFL, right? Yeah. Uh, would you say the Eagles are flawed? The Eagles are flawed. I will admit it. Would you say, would you say the Cowboys are flawed? The Cowboys certainly are flawed. Would you say the Lions are flawed? The Lions, yes, they too are flawed. What team did I say is rounding into form? Is there an NFC team that you that you're yeah, that you're leading I me toward here? The Rams. The Rams. Oh, yes. Yes, you did. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've won four of their last five. Only loss was that overtime thriller against Baltimore. Uh Okay. Uh I I will take Sean McVay against any coach in the NFL at any time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it worth 20 bucks at plus 4,000 to win the NFC? It is. 20 bucks. The Rams to win the NFC at Caesars. I don't think anyone wants to play the Rams right now. I really don't. Yeah, that's, you know, it's not bad. Plus 4,000 to win the NFC. They got to get into the playoffs, which they're, I bet, what I was going to say, their actual playoff odds are probably right around even money right now. A little little better. They got the Saints this week, then they're at the Giants next week. Okay. And at San Francisco in week 18 in a game that probably won't mean anything for San Francisco. Yeah, they may need to win it to clinch the the top seed and the bye. But you're you're right. There's a good chance they, they, right. There's a good chance they'll already have that wrapped up. So, Okay, I, I like this. Yeah, they could be they could be that team that and and then you're kind of probably banking on something going wrong injury wise with the 49ers to open yeah, the door. Although, but the Rams the Rams can potentially beat any other team at full strength. Yeah, and you know this right. This is a team. I mean, this offense is condensed and 
and clear. Like, you know, you trust Stafford. You got Cooper Cup and you know Puka Nakua has been dynamite. Uh-huh. Uh Kyron Williams is 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 Christian McCaffrey 2.0 all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. A, a decent enough defense and McVay. I don't know. I it, stranger things have happened. For yeah. You. All right. I, I think it's it's the right price and you're only risking twenty bucks. You have my full support. There you go. All right. Thank you. Um, for my last bet, more boxing. Um, I did a few small bets on underdogs there a minute ago. Now I'm going to do one bigger parlay bet on huge favorites on, on five outcomes that I see as sure things. Although, you know, parlays, if I'm wrong about one of them, we're fucked. But, uh, here goes. I mentioned the other main event of that card, Wilder versus Parker. Wilder will win this fight by knockout. That's like at least 90% likely. And it's a minus 380 leg. So we'll start there. Philip Hergovich is in an absolute cakewalk mismatch against Mark DeMori. We'll take Hergovich by KO also. Light heavyweight Dimitri Bivol has an easy fight against Lyndon Arthur. He's minus 2,000 on the three-way money line. That means three-way, meaning if we that if it's a draw, we lose the bet, but it won't be a draw. Let's, let's throw that in. Same with cruiserweight champ Jai Opataya, massive favorite over Ellis Zorro. Throw him in on a three-way money line bet. And lastly... Three days later, December 26th, the great junior featherweight champ and future Hall of Famer Noya Inouye faces Marlon Tapalas. Tapalas is a fine fighter, but he will get his ass kicked here. Inouye has scored the knockout in 14 of his last 15 fights. The one exception, he was fighting through a broken orbital bone and won a decision instead of a knockout. And then and then had a rematch and knocked the guy out in two rounds. He's knocking Tapalas out. So that's the bet. Wilder, Hergovich, and Inouye all by KO. Bevel and Opataya just to win. The price is going to sound shitty, except they're all sure things. So uh, comes out to minus 105. Let's bet $105 to win 100. Yeah, yeah the price is not great. But okay. No. <laughs> they really do have I'm to be not, sure not. things to do a five-leg parlay sure. like that. Sure. All right. Well, you, know. You, you, know, you know your boxing, that's for sure. So I, I trust you all the way. Okay. Thank you. Uh, my final bet is just a straight ahead over. Uh, 105 bucks to win 100 uh, over 43 and a half in the Bears Cardinals game. Uh, I, I, the Cardinals don't have a defense, and the Cardinals offense has been playing pretty well. Uh, I don't know. This game just has, you know, it has like a little bit of wacky game written all, all over it to me. Um, two teams not playing for a whole heck of a lot. I don't know. I just, I, I, I two mobile quarterbacks. I don't know. I like it. I, over 43 and a half. Okay. That's it. All right. It occurs to me as you're, you know, you were talking about your your Rams props for for that game and the yeah. and, and this bet here that because I'm leaving for vacation and won't be around to play any DFS or, or make any bets over the weekend or, or, or whatever. I really am. I'm just now realizing I've paid no attention to this week's uh, football games. I haven't listened <laughs> to any podcasts about them. I'm, I'm totally checked out. And I, if you had asked me who are the Bears playing this week, I would have needed, you know. 30, 31 guesses to, to land on Arizona, probably. <laughs> um, all right. For the last time this year, we now do bagels and locks. Uh, Jeff, you won last week with the Bengals minus two and a half on the right side of the hook. Never a doubt there. Uh, <laughs> you're now eight and five. I was wrong about Bills Cowboys going over. I didn't see the Bills defense keeping the Dallas offense in check the way they did. I'm down to seven and six. And I'm up first this week, and I've decided I stink at over-under point totals. I really don't know what I'm doing there. All my hunches are wrong, and of course, there's uh, there, there's no science to what I'm doing. So uh, I'm staying away from totals this week. Just going with a standard spread bet, and uh, I know you're going to agree with this one, Jeff, based on uh, everything you've said so far on the pod. The lock of the week, it's tonight. It's the Rams, minus four against the Saints. 
They're both seven and seven, but they're, they're not evenly matched. Uh, McVay versus Dennis Allen is a mismatch. Stafford versus Carr is somewhat of a mismatch. The Saints are just not very good. They're four, nine, and one against the spread this year. I don't know why the odds makers treat them like they're good, but they're very much not. They, they simply play in the worst division. This line should be more like Rams minus six. Uh, even factoring in Thursday night football weirdness, they will cover four against the sub-mediocre Saints team. The Rams are my lock of the week. I mean, so they're my lock of the week, too. Is it bad to have two locks? No. We, we're I, we're I mean, allowed to have the same lock. I think then let's lock them. Let's lock it down. Ram, Rams minus four. Translation: Saints forty-three seven. <laughs> I was going to say this is the ultimate test for our listeners of the fact that we have the same lock. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? This is if if you ever it's wanted to try to fade us big, this is the right, this, this is the week is, to do it. Week. All right, for sure. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest David Purdom. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein. And follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, for the final time in 2023, please take us out. You know, Eric, I'm old enough to remember when you could disagree with someone about their politics and still be able to have a few beers with them, you know? Feels like those days are gone as we turn the calendar to 2024, and it's uh, – <clears throat> the most important presidential election of our lifetime, which mm. seemed to happen with alarming regularity these days. Yep. Um, but, you know, while we're headed down this path, let's let's remember this, right? We're all Americans. We're all human. We all want the same things at the end of the day. Someone to love, someone to love us, a roof over our heads, food on the table, a little money in our pocket, right? Mm. So with that in mind, on this, our last pod of 2023, let's turn off social media, let's turn off cable news, and instead, let's head on down to the local diner. Let's sit on a stool. Let's engage our neighbors in conversation. Sure, we're going to disagree, but that doesn't mean we can't be civil to one another. Also, write in Dwayne The Rock Johnson for president. He's our only hope. Talk to you in 24. Until then, gamble on. <laughs>